The 2016 presidential campaign has helped resurrect a long-standing debate about the viability of single-payer health insurance in the United States. Yet despite this renewed interest in the model and the relative success of such programs in other wealthy democracies, many policymakers in this country believe that single-payer has no realistic path to enactment. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Jonathan Oberlander, a professor of social medicine and health policy and management at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Professor Oberlander has written a perspective article about the benefits and liabilities of single-payer insurance. Professor Oberlander, you write in your article that the latest push for single-payer health insurance is part of a long history in this country. In fact, the architects of Medicare believed that the program would eventually expand to cover the whole population, would be a single-payer health insurance for the whole country. How widespread was that view in the 60s when Medicare passed, and then what stopped its momentum? It was certainly a view that was held widely by the architects of Medicare, those who were in the Johnson administration and the Kennedy administration. Before it, all along, their goal was never simply to cover the elderly. They wanted to use Medicare as the foundation for a universal single-payer system. They held that view widely, but it was also held silently. The criticism of Medicare at the time was that it indeed was a slippery slope to quote-unquote socialized medicine. And so in the late 1950s and early 1960s during the debate over Medicare, its architects denied that their goal was to expand Medicare. And in fact, that's exactly what they wanted to do. Why didn't it develop? That's a great question. And really, we could have had a quite different history. The next group that Medicare's architects had in mind to cover were children. And after Medicare passed, there were some steps taken in terms of developing a proposal to cover children under Medicare and think about how different U.S. health insurance would look today if that had happened. Many things got in the way. The Vietnam War, concerns over the budget, erosion of faith in government, a shift politically in the 1970s in a conservative direction. And so the political world that Medicare's architects knew and that they presumed would continue had essentially ended by the mid-1970s. And the idea of Medicare for all was left behind. You write in your article that both the substantive virtues of single-payer programs and the political liabilities of them are both compelling. Why do you think the reaction against single-payer tends to be so strong, despite the lower cost and relatively good health outcomes that other countries have seen with the model? I don't think it's a model that's particularly well understood in the United States. If you look at Canadian medical care, Canada has much in common with the United States, culturally, politically, in terms of having a federal structure. And in fact, our healthcare systems really developed in many ways in parallel. And the Canadian experience with single payer having a system in each province where everyone is enrolled in the single government public insurer has been quite a successful experience. It's certainly not perfect, but it's worked very well in Canada and far better than what we've developed in the United States. I think there are a lot of misconceptions about single-payer, what it does and does not do. And in fact, one of the misconceptions is we already have it in the United States in the form of our own Medicare program, which, as we noted earlier, is sort of a miniaturized version of single-payer. I think there's also such strong reaction because single-payer, whatever else it is, represents a sweeping departure from the status quo, and that threatens a lot of interests, a lot of vested interests who have a stake in maintaining current arrangements. 
Is Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders the main driving force behind this new support for single payer in the U.S.? Or has it also grown out of the realization that the Affordable Care Act isn't solving as many problems as people hoped that it would? I think the Sanders campaign certainly has propelled this issue to the forefront. There have long been groups that have supported single-payer groups like Physicians for a National Health Program that have kept this alive. Liberal Democrats in Congress who have supported single-payer and introduced single-payer legislation. But it's really the Sanders campaign and uh, Bernie Sanders making this a centerpiece of his platform that brought it to public attention. I do think it is resonating in part because even after the Affordable Care Act and all of its very considerable achievements, there's still very much that's amiss in American medical care. And it's not simply a matter of people being uninsured, but also, as the Sanders campaign rightly says, millions of Americans who are underinsured. And so I think his proposal has resonated, at least in the liberal wing of the Democratic Party, partly because they've always favored single payer, but partly because there is continued concern with the direction of American medical care and how much is still wrong with our system after the Affordable Care Act. Given the importance of the Sanders campaign to this issue today, do the current supporters of single payer differ politically or demographically from groups that supported it in the past? That's a great question. One of the misconceptions about single payer has to do with public support. There actually is substantial public support for Medicare for all. Now, it depends, of course, on how you word it. And if you use the word Medicare, you do better. And it depends on what poll you're looking at. But it certainly has more support in the public than you would know from the marginal place it often occupies in discussions among U.S. health policy experts and in in our debates. I don't know if the demography differs. In terms of the politics, I think it does differ historically. The single-payer advocates in the 1960s visioned Medicare as an incremental way towards single payer. Cover the elderly and then children and go group by group until you get everybody. Single payer advocates of today are more existential, more all or nothing. And I think one of the critiques that is quite fair of the Sanders campaign is to say it's not particularly realistic to imagine a single payer system happening in the United States anytime soon. What exactly are those incremental steps that you would propose to get the United States closer to that goal? I think there is not nearly enough discussion in the health reform community that supports single payer about those incremental steps. If you propose all or nothing, the debate is about whether you're going to enact single payer, you're probably going to get nothing. And that has been the experience in the past half century. So looking at either all or nothing or incremental steps, are there any lessons we can learn from Medicare and Medicaid about what would and wouldn't work? Well, Medicare, of course, did not expand as envisioned, and that shows how difficult it is. Medicare did add persons with permanent disabilities and end-stage renal disease in 1972. But while its benefits have changed somewhat, it really hasn't added big new population groups since then. Medicaid has actually had a much more expansionary trajectory and has grown to be a much larger program than anyone envisioned in 1965. But if you take their two experiences and put them together, you would say, well, they both turned out differently than what people thought in 1965. And yet, when we look at the entire patchwork of the American medical care system and our insurance system, there's still so many holes in it. There's so much redundancy and so inefficient. 
And that's why I think the single-payer idea is going to resonate far beyond whatever the outcome of the 2016 election is. Because when you have a health insurance that leaves tens of millions uninsured, tens of millions underinsured, that is beset by administrative complexity and is governed too often by profit, there's going to be an appetite for sweeping change. And whatever its political fortunes are, and I don't think they're particularly good, single payer is going to continue to speak to those who are disaffected by what's going on in American medical care and are looking for something different and something better. Thank you, Professor Overlander.